to make investments, hire that next person, increase your marketing spend. If you don't truly know how profitable is my business, I mean, that's one piece of it too. Maybe you're charging way too low for your prices because you just see money coming in, but it's not enough. You could be making 10 times what you're making if you actually understood what the profitability is by product, by service, as the company overall. Welcome to the Business Ownership Podcast, brought to you by Awareness Strategies, helping you navigate the waters between entrepreneurship and ownership. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedlack, and I'm super glad that you're here with us today because I'm here with my most amazing guest, Lauren. Lauren, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So give us a highlight of who you are and what you do for business. Yeah. So I am Lauren Colson, the founder of Colson Strategies, and we work with small to medium-sized businesses providing bookkeeping, controller, and fractional CFO services. So basically, we are your team. We are your partner to cover the finance and accounting in your business. Awesome. How did you get into accounting as your thing? That always fascinates me. <laughs> yes. Um, honestly, I didn't um, know what I wanted to major in in college and like was kind of a numbers person, but like accounting wasn't on my radar. And I majored in engineering and every, I was in this like intro course where every week they would introduce a new type of engineering, uh, like civil, all of that. And I kept being like, I'm waiting for the one that I'm going to like, and it just never came. <laughs> so I was like, all right, let's switch gears. Heard that there's this thing called accounting. Let's give it a go. Um, and it just really clicked with my brain and I enjoyed it. And so got an accounting and finance degree and then started in corporate finance for large publicly traded companies and liked the work, but didn't like the vibe or the culture or the like, hey, our team worked really hard. Here's our financials and corporates like, and cut head count. And we're like, what, what? did you see what we did? Um, and so I, I didn't have the strong passion for it. And then I found myself at a, or made my way over to a high growth startup and just fell in love with the entrepreneurial spirit, the culture, the ability to actually look at the financials, use them to make data-driven decisions to further the growth of the organization, and was like, all right, I found it. This connects with what I like to do, gives me passion. I love working with other people. Um, and kind of from there, I, I, um, the business was born. <laughs> Very fun, I love it. So when you're working with somebody, are you actually going through their numbers still like a full-time employee would and, and going, Hey, you can change this stuff and this will make a big difference. Or is it kind of just, Hey, give me your stuff and I'll do your annual reports. Um, the, the first example, so <laughs> yeah. we like to see each, see the relationship as a partnership. So when you work with our team, as a bookkeeper, they're there to do do what you said in the second example, like we're going to do the work for you, but this isn't just a hands-off for the CEO or founder. It's like, we're doing the work so we can come to the table and have a meaningful discussion with you, be proactive, point out like, hey, have you seen this expense is ramping up? We're not seeing any revenue increase. Like you have a game plan, are you on it? We're holding you accountable. We're having challenging conversations sometimes. Um, around the numbers, if things aren't going well, like maybe it's time to think about cutting some costs because things aren't going well and kind of be that true partner with you. Nice. I love it. So 
what do you, what do you find is one of the biggest mistakes that entrepreneurs make when they're when it comes to their books? Um, when it comes to their books, well, there's quite a few. I think on the kind of strategic wise, and and everything that a business does impacts the finances. So there's not one <laughs> not one uh, <laughs> thing that doesn't matter. Um, but one of the big things is making short-term decisions that impact long-term profitability. And one of the big examples here is outsourcing something. So when you start your business, you most likely wear all the hats, you do all the things. And as you grow, you need to be able to delegate and outsource some of that so you can spend your time wisely where the business needs you. If that's on the sales front, making sure you're building out future strategy, whatever that looks like. And so not trying to hold on to everything, like for example, the bookkeeping and do it yourself where it's not your zone of genius. It takes you time. It You're like, I don't want to do it. <laughs> Giving that to someone else, which yes, there's a cost that comes with it, but you got to think of the return of, well, how much time and how much progress am I going to get back not having to do that anymore? And so that's a good thing where it's like, yes, your profit may dip, but just for the short term, in the long term, it's going to allow you to be more profitable. Nice. Uh, that is always one of the things that I... I have always, that's <laughs> the first thing that goes off my plate. I do not understand unless somebody runs an accounting business, why right. they would do their own books. And I don't even, do you do your own books? No, of course not. And I work <laughs> a, a bookkeeping business. <laughs> right, well, cause I think there's a little bit of magic to that, to having somebody look at your books and seeing things because I think people get emotionally attached to their numbers. And it's like, no, those are just the numbers. That's all they are. The story you attach to them. Now that, right. that may be emotional, but the numbers themselves. I mean, I've seen corporations that I think have it completely all together. And I look at their books and I'm like, dude, like, what are you doing over here? Right. And I'm not a books person. So like, and super smart people, but it's, and then it becomes the story of then kind of why are you doing what you're doing? Oh, okay. Either that makes sense or you know, that doesn't really make sense. Tell me more. Or like, that's how we get into kind of the phases of, to me, it, it's kind of like the drug, <laughs> the gateway drug for figuring out where an entrepreneur's mindset is in the business yeah. to be able to figure out kind of what's going on because everybody thinks numbers are numbers and it's just flat. I'm either making money or I'm not making money. Right. So much <laughs> more. It's to not it. true. Yes. So much more. Your numbers are essentially the story behind your business. And so it's super important to know your numbers. And you probably heard that a lot, but I want to dive into that a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, but, but to preface that, in order to know your numbers, you need to have two things. You need to have timely and accurate financials. So garbage in, garbage out, right? If things aren't getting recorded correctly or consistently, then it's not doing you any good to look at this jumbled. So let, let's stop right there because a lot of yeah. people I know go, well, how can it be wrong? I've given you all the receipts. I know all my income. This can't be that hard. What am I doing wrong? Yes. So, so how do you get bad data in as far as that goes? Let's start there. Perfect. So uh, coding consistency is one thing. So I'll just use an example. Let's yeah. say you have marketing spend with XYZ vendor and it's been going to marketing some months, it's been going to PR some month, a different line item on your financial statements, it's going to media spend another month. 
So you're when you're looking at your financial statements, you can't just look across the board and be like, what is our true marketing spend? Is it increasing? Is it decreasing? Because it's all over the place. And that can go if you've got that going on with a lot of different accounts and you really can't get a firm understanding of where are my expenses? What are my trends? What does this actually look like? Because it's not getting coded to the wrong right place. That is a brilliant comment because I know a lot of from solopreneurs going, well, that networking event, like, well, the gas, the mileage, the everything should be counted to marketing on that one, because that's exactly what you were doing in that moment. And then you get up to the million dollar companies and you're going, yes, that food that you spent on that particular event should be going to marketing and not to fulfillment because it was a marketing event. It wasn't a fulfillment event and, 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 and it happens all the way up. And that's, that's an awesome example of how we can look at those things and not get triggered by kind of how much one marketing are you doing? How much sales are you doing? How much fulfillment? And to me, those are kind of the three basic pillars of any business. Is it easy enough to be able to go to somebody like you and go, Hey, I just want to know what all my marketing is and what do I need to do in order to be able to make that, you know, an accurate number? Because that sounds like it could be a lot of work where it sounds like, well, it's a couple of, you know, just got to make some adjustments and anywhere in between. <laughs> exactly. It's, it depends on the size and complexity, but that's a really important like area where we're going to spend our time getting things cleaned up so we can compare apples to apples. We want to look at what happened last year, what happened this year so that we can predict what are you expecting for next year? What's your baseline? Do we want to grow that? And so the more accurate data we have, the better decisions we can make for the go forward strategy of the business, because the bookkeeping is what has happened, but you want to be able to use that to help you figure out what is going to happen and how do I achieve my goals based off what has happened. <laughs> do you find that most entrepreneurs are founders of companies are just looking at how much came in, how much went out, whatever's left is all I care about. Yes. Using <laughs> essentially the bank balance <laughs> day <laughs> by day. We got 60 K we're good. What? Okay. That's, that's not a plan. That's not a strategy. Like that's, a, you know, how are you going to support your growth? Know if you have enough to make investments, hire that next person, increase your marketing spend. If you don't truly know how profitable is my business? I mean, that's one piece of it too. Maybe you're charging way too low for your prices because you just see money coming in, but it's not enough. You could be making 10 times what you're making if you actually understood what the profitability is by product, by service as the company overall. Wow. Those are words I have heard very few accountants utter. <laughs> Most are very concerned about the expenses. Very, very few are concerned about profitability and, and particularly product pricing, which which impresses me on a level that I don't think most people can comprehend because I'm telling you from all of the accounts that I have ever talked to in my, let's call it 25 plus years in business right now, I can count on one hand, how many have talked about what are your products? How many are you selling them for? And can we increase profitability as opposed to you need to cut expenses? Oh, that's so disappointing because there's <laughs> two way street. If you need more profitability, sure, you can decrease expenses, but maybe you don't have any room there. You're They are what they are, that they're valid. And your problem is a price problem. And you need to increase your revenue without changing any of your expenses. It's a, it's a balance. And you shouldn't just look at one area. 
Nice. I love it. And, and it begs for a great conversation. And we were <laughs> in a meeting yesterday, in fact, with a, at a, basically a boardroom table with a dozen very successful business people. And we were talking about expenses and write-offs and they're all like, what? I didn't know that. What? I didn't know that. I'm like, how do you guys not? <laughs> yeah. Come on, man. Like th this is kind of elementary as far as accounting goes. Like, yeah. I your accountants should be embarrassed. <laughs> another um, good point on that is if you're going to outsource your bookkeeping work, that's great, but you're not literally outsourcing all of it. You're outsourcing the actual work, but you still need to have a, you still need to review your financials monthly. You still need to know what's going on and you still need to know what the basic principles are for your business because you are the, if you're the founder, CEO, business owner, no one knows as much about the business as you. And I'm sure there's a lot of stuff floating in your head that you've never shared with anyone that are relevant <laughs> to your business. So you need to be partnering with and looking, not just saying, oh, they've got it over there. That's not my job. I'm just moving along, not looking at anything. That's going to get you in trouble. I love in this conversation. So when you're working with somebody, how does that actually look? Like, are you having monthly meetings with them? What's the kind of cadence of your relationship? Absolutely. So usually at a minimum, yes. And it depends on the size and complexity of the business. But mm -hmm. yes, we are producing, in the very least, we are producing the financial statements, meeting with you monthly to talk about them, go over any findings that we're seeing, answering any questions you have. I mean, we're here as a resource. You're not mm -hmm. the expert in bookkeeping. We are. So we're here to guide you and teach you on things you don't know. Um, so we're learning along the way as well. Nice. So and, and there's <laughs> so many questions I have. I, I, and it reminds me of one of the clients that I used to have where on our team, we had somebody that just dealt with the financial, just with accountants. So they would meet with accounting and then they come back to us and we would meet with marketing sales and, and management in order to be able to kind of tie things together. How often do you recommend that people have kind of joint meetings, even though there aren't necessarily, um, you know, department heads? Yeah, for sure. So this is most likely for larger, but not larger, but, you know, smaller than your- Like, let's say you have like three people in your accounting and you got three people in your, in your um, fulfillment office. Nobody's really in the management role per se, right. because normally in a, in a bigger business, you'd have middle management, middle management comes together, has meeting, and then they go and deploy the info. But before you get to that stage, I think it's kind of crucial that there's some communication, but how do you do that when there's no real department head, if you want to put it that way? Yeah, absolutely. And that's when we said earlier, everything that happens in the business touches the financials. So it's important <laughs> that whomever is in charge of that has one, a firm understanding of how the business operates and what the different workflows are to make sure that all of that information is accurately getting to accounting and being produced correctly in the financial statements. And so having that those relationships, understanding who does what in the organization and making sure that there's a meeting of the minds, whether that's monthly or quarterly, depending on the complexity and kind of growth um, trajectory of the business. But having those conversations is, is crucial. Just even a quick drop in of like, hey, fulfillment, like what's new with you guys? What's going on? What are you expecting for the next three months? That dialogue, because often people aren't like, 
oh, I need to tell accounting this, but you have a conversation and accounting's like, yeah, that would be really great to know. Thank you. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, how and long so, has this been going on for? How do we not know this? Exactly. <laughs> right? So when you can get in front of the different departments or different individuals that are leading the charge in the organization, it's going to provoke, we're, we got to kind of fish out that information, smoke <laughs> it out. <laughs> right. I love it. So is there any kind of um, signs that you've found that a company is one in trouble, but doesn't need to be that they're like, Hey, you guys are in a little bit of chaos here and it doesn't have to be this way. Yeah, absolutely. Oftentimes there's a lot of like low hanging fruit. Um, and there's just what we call almost like money leaks happening in the business. And so I can kind of touch on a few of those. Yeah. One of the big, big ones we see is with software. And so we just did a software audit of one of our larger clients um, where we looked at all the software they have. And we can tell that from the accounting side, everything they're paying for. We went and said, okay, like what department is using this? Is it necessary? Meaning is, are we paying for three different tools when one tool can do the same thing for cheaper? And also are there any tools we're not using? I mean, raise your hand if you've signed up for the free trial for 30 days and then forgot to cancel before it's, or, or didn't even realize it was bill, billing you. Like, I think we've all been there. So those are some like, okay, knock that off the list. And then two, do you have a solid offboarding process for team members that you're removing their licenses or seats for different software so that you're not paying for 10 users in a software when your team is only using eight? And so right. we go, we went through and we shaved off quite a bit. And it's it's painful too, because it had never been done before. So we're looking at software that's been paid for for over a year that no mm -hmm. one was using or they didn't need. And so that's um, actually have a tool I can share with the audience to kind of go through and track everything there. Um, yeah. Make sure you're on top of it. Absolutely. And some people may think I'm in... <laughs> in um in conflict with that, but I'm very much an advocate of that. I can't tell you how many times people would tell me, oh, we can't use Infusionsoft or keep Max Classic because it's too expensive. But then they would go out and buy software that would replicate and do what it did. And they would end up spending seven times more, seven times more. It's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, yeah. If you understand what the software does, like, then you understand the complexities of what you can accomplish in your business and how you can work with it, which brings us back to this conversation of it's not just a matter of kind of cutting expenses. It's understanding what the software does, how it affects your business and, and your business growth, and why it's important to have conversations, not just kind of one-on-one -on -one with the bookkeeper, but bring in your marketing, your sales, your fulfillment, your whatever's in order to be able to have these conversations so that you can have intelligent conversations about why do we have this piece of software? Okay, we only use it once a year. Does it justify itself? And or, you know, what's really going on with it? And why do we use it the way we do? Is there ways to maximize it that could make us even more money? So I'm, right. I'm a huge and, advocate of what you're talking and about. And too, like time is that we can't even measure time, right? So there's the cost, but then also, hey, we got three hours back in our month. <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Nice. I love it. So talk to me more about this tool that you have. This sounds fascinating. 
um it's just a tracker sheet where it allows you to go in and it's not just a tracker sheet trust me people who don't track it is not just a tracker sheet (laughs) it's the ultimate tracking sheet (laughs) ultimate tracker that just gives you a lot of visibility into who's using it what the cost is um how many seats you have and kind of helps you stay on top of it Nice. I love that. Well, and especially for bigger companies that have a lot of dynamics, if they've, if they've got a special project that they're working on and they need to have special licenses during that work period. And then once the project's done and everybody goes sigh of relief, it's like taking down Christmas decorations. Like nobody wants to do it. It's like, we're done. It's over. Never want to see it. Yes, exactly. exactly. Yeah. So that yeah. sounds fantastic. So how do people take advantage of that? Yeah, I can share um, a link with you to get access to the tracker and then they got it. Awesome. So peeps, scroll down. You know how to do it. Go into the show notes, get that link and uh, we'll be happy to do it. But of course, open it up in a new browser because we're not done yet. So we've mentioned a few things of um, kind of what can go right. Give us an example of a Cinderella story of one of your clients. Um. Okay. Get, do you want more specifics on something? Anything just, you know, from chaos to order from mayhem to <laughs> mavens. Okay. The fun ones. Um, well, th- this is kind of relates to something we touched upon earlier in terms of product pricing. So we started working with a client that was in the education space and they had different service slash products that they offered, different one-on-one group trainings, uh, digital products. And when we got a hold of their financials, we looked at their uh, profit and loss and they had one line at the top that said revenue and everything was going in there. And we said, okay, that's not wrong per se. This is all your revenue. But if you have these different product service offerings, we should really break it down so we can see revenue by product, by service. Mm -hmm. We also want to do that on the cost of goods sold, which is the cost associated with generating those different revenues. And we want to look at profitability by product because in this founder, in their head, they were like, this service is our best service. It's bringing in so much revenue. And it was, but when we analyzed the costs, it was it was coming in at a slight loss. So in their head, they were like, this is great, more of this, put the gas on this, put marketing dollars on this. But really, it was at a loss. And the other services that they were offering had a much higher margin, meaning they were much more profitable. And so without being able to see that data, we were like, hey, this is this is going to be an emotional conversation because we know you love service X, but it's not worth it. You've got to either increase your pricing. And at that point with what the market was demanding, it wasn't something they thought they could do. And so we're like, we got it. We should probably kill this service and focus all the time and energy on growing these. And once we got through that mental shift and kind of brought that clarity, their profitability skyrocketed because they were already doing this. They knew how to do it. It was already profitable. They're not building something new from the ground up. They're just putting more focus on the sales and marketing efforts to drive traffic clients here. And and that was all they needed. It was just it, all the information was there. It just wasn't presented in a way that it could be used at, to have those conversations. I, I love it. Well, and it, it comes back to strategy has to precede <laughs> tactics. 
that you have to know why you're doing what you're doing. And in order to be able to do that, you need the numbers for it. Because if you're just doing something for the sake of, um, you know, somebody told you it was a great idea and it's going to make you money, it's not necessarily how that goes down. And don't be so. blinded by high revenue because I'm, I'm a million dollar business. Okay, well, that means nothing if your costs are 1.5 million. <laughs> you got to look at both pieces of it. Exactly. I love it. I love it. So what are some of the stumbling blocks that somebody's experiencing in their business other than looking at the bank statement and going, oh, it's positive. Therefore, we have money to spend, but has this feeling of chaos around the rest of the business. What are the kind of symptoms, stumbling blocks are they experiencing that they're thinking, oh my God, Lauren, we need you so bad. Yeah. So they have the awareness of I, I know I have financial statements, but I don't know how to use them. I don't know what to do with this. I get this every month. I see it. We're making money, but how do I how do I use that information to help me make more money uh, or or grow or whatever those goals are? Um, there's a lot of stress around cash flow. So yes, I know I've got X in the bank. I think we're good, but I've got payroll coming next week. I got to, if so-and-so doesn't pay me, <laughs> this customer doesn't pay me, we might not meet, miss, make payroll. I got to put my own money in the company. Just not having a clarity or understanding of what those you know peaks and valleys of cash flow might look like is a big stressor where it doesn't have to be that way. If we know what cash flow is going to look like, we can proactively plan for it, whether that's saving or pulling back expenses, getting a short-term loan or line of credit to have to pull on for a week or month until those customers pay, um, things like that. I think also not, um, if you have customers that you bill, that you send invoices to, making sure you have a strong collections process. Um, we were working with a client where we came in, she wasn't really, she had great cash flow, but she wasn't looking at what we call the AR aging, meaning how past due your clients are and what's outstanding. And there was $50,000 sitting out there for a customer. And she had never reached out to them because she didn't know this report ex existed. And when she reached out months later, they just ghosted her because it gets harder to collect money the longer it goes. And she um, lost that 50K. And had she known and been proactive or, you know, had someone that could help her, yeah. she could have gotten $50,000. I mean, that's no, it's no little amount. <laughs> right. For anyone. Well, and then does bring up a great point is that I think a lot of businesses don't realize that if their clients are under contractual obligation, that they can hire people to just monitor those and to, and take care of them. And they often will pay themselves off within the first month. Because yeah. people tend, if they're not watching it, <laughs> you can go into 30, 60, 90, 120 days, a year and a half, <laughs> pretty right, easily. Exactly. Yeah. And the flip side goes for paying your bills. I mean, one of the other money leaks we see is not being in charge of paying your bills timely and then getting hit with late fees that you didn't need to pay because <laughs> you don't have an organized process. Uh, love it. I love it. I love it. So I know our listeners are going to want more from you. How do they start that journey with you? You can visit our site, colsonstrategies.com, that's C-O-L-S-O-N, or you can reach out to me on LinkedIn, Lauren Colson. I'm pretty active over there and love chatting with business owners, entrepreneurs, uh, and the like. Love it. And again, of course, scroll down, 
get the links, open them up in a new browser because we're not done yet. So Lauren, at what point in life did you know that you were especially kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? Pretty, pretty early on, actually. Um, always when I was a kid looking for way, little businesses to drum up, all, family occasions. I'm like, how can I monetize all my family being here? <laughs> okay, I'm going to do a newsletter and charge them. I'm going to put on a concert and make them charge them to come. So it was in my blood, I guess, from the beginning. <laughs> oh my God, brilliant. I can't believe I never thought of that. <laughs> Missed opportunities, yes. <laughs> oh my God, you've been absolutely awesome. Any last words for our peeps? No, thank you so much for having me, Michelle. I think that it's super important to use data-driven decisions to help fuel the growth of your business. And that comes from having those timely and accurate financials and actually looking and knowing your numbers each month. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. And I know how valuable it is. Thanks, Michelle. Peeps, this is Michelle Nedelec. Thank you for being here with us today. Be sure to subscribe to the show and share it with your friends. We love helping entrepreneurs grow. Are you running a business over seven figures but still struggling with technology headaches? Pay attention. You do not want to miss this offer. This podcast episode is brought to you by Awareness Strategies, who is offering a custom-built digital adoption roadmap for anyone running a business over seven figures who's wanting to grow their business in the next five years. And it's not just a roadmap. They offer full implementation as well. If that scares the out of you, check out awarenessstrategies.com forward slash roadmap for more details today. The link's in the show's notes. Don't regret not doing this. Do it now. That's awarenessstrategies.com slash roadmap.